Welcome to Break a Wish, the podcast where all your dreams come true, but with terrible, ironic consequences. I'm your host, Maddox Campbell. Joining me today, we have Paul JP. Hello! And John Blair. Hello! And the movie we're breaking down is The Monkey's Paw from 1948. Uh, there are many versions of this film. There were like <laughs> 10 or 11 versions when I tried to look it up on IMDb. But we went with the 1948 one, the black and white film. And uh, had any of you guys seen this before? Uh, no, I had not. I um, I I think I'm familiar with the short story. I'm certainly familiar with the, the Simpsons episode and the general kind of trope of the monkey's paw, but I had not seen this particular film. I think the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror about the monkey's paw is probably the most popular cultural touchstone for people yeah you're probably under like 50 or something yeah (laughs) most most likely yeah Uh, what about you paul uh definitely in the same boat as john there with regards to um familiarity i'd i'd never seen this movie i of course i'm familiar also with the the trope of the monkey's paw it's a very old story it's a little over 100 years old i think so yeah pretty familiar with it at this point and you know i'm a big horror fan and a lot of horror movies do go off that trope of the monkey's paws. I'm, I'm sure, you know, you wrote a podcast about wishes and have spent <laughs> yeah. the last couple of months reviewing probably a bunch of those movies. Yeah. I would say the weird thing is, is that everyone refers to the monkey's paw as the touchstone of a wish that turns. And yet almost no one has actually seen this film or read this short story. Like it's, it's a term that has made it into pop culture. It's one that I have used to describe my own podcast. And yet, yeah, this is my first time seeing it as well. (laughs) So we all went into this uh, unaware of what we were getting into. Let me try to summarize the story. (laughs) It's tricky because there is what I would describe as an unnecessary number of framing devices just sort of around. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. For for a movie that's only about an hour long. Yeah, definitely plenty of framing devices this, yeah. this movie could be six minutes long <laughs> <laughs> you'll be trimmed down very easy i think the treehouse of horror length is the best length yes. for a monkey paw story uh but anyway yeah, yeah. Uh, starts, do, do your best okay yeah starts in like a, a curio shop where some guy says i found a monkey paw i bought it somewhere and he sells it to some guy this then doesn't have anything to do with what happens for the next little while where we're just <laughs> hanging out with a family of british people and they're irish offensively Irish friend uh, as they run their little <laughs> shop. Well, well, hang on about this family of English people. And you, you can just say a family of English people because every single one of them had a different fucking accent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how that happens. There's no way of knowing like uh, Mr. Trelon who's like, I guess the protagonist. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Trelon, he has a different accent from his wife, which sure you know, they could very well be from different places, but then their son has a wildly different accent. Like he's, he's like this like Scott. Errol Flynn kind of like Exactly, yeah. Mother, I'm I going guess... to race motorcycles. Like, yeah. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, that was okay. That that'll be a weird thing for later. Right, of course. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we just, hard to get right? we just hang out with this family for a bit as they run their shop. Um eventually that curio guy who bought the monkey's paw shows up and trades the monkey's paw for a painting, which is weird. A very important painting. It's very, very important, important to Mrs. Painting. Trelon. Yeah, because she had inherited it, and it's bad luck to sell something inherited, so I guess he did a trade instead. They cut to another framing device where it's like the Irish guy talking about one time when he stole the monkey paw from this other person. Uh, Seamus <sighs> Kelly is his name. It is. Because they they wanted to go really Irish with Seamus, and then like... <laughs> Only a little Irish with Kelly. <laughs> They're both fairly Irish. I mean, Kelly, yeah. Kelly's pretty Irish, but I wouldn't say it's the most violently Irish name I've ever heard. <laughs> so in the inside his story, he ru- is snooping on a house, and inside that house that he's snooping on is like a dinner party happening where they talk about some guy having the monkey's paw and how uh, he had wished on it once, and then uh, one of his party guests, she makes a wish, I guess uh, that she was free of her husband and then he immediately shoots her. (laughs) Well, not immediately. Like five minutes later. Yeah. He shoots her uh, because apparently that's setting her free from the relationship and also monkey paw turn. 
go back out of that framing device. We're back to this family. Well, hang on. But before we go out of the framing device, we do get a montage about what happened to that. The guy who shot his wife. Right. Everyone around town is gossiping about the monkey's paw, blaming it for the murder, right? And there's like the, the judge there who's saying we've got no evidence that the monkey... I mean, he doesn't sound like Winston Tree. Maybe he does. I don't remember. If he's, the, the monkey's paw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they arrested the paw, and the judge is like, we got nothing on it. We, we got to let it go. We have to let <laughs> yeah, the monkey's paw go. There's no... We got to let the paw walk. Uh, <laughs> see a little walking with its fingers? Ah, that'd be cute. Uh, that wasn't in there. That should have been... Uh, but yeah, gossip and that framing device. Then we get back out to the family and then selling of the hand. Uh, eventually that guy has the main protagonist has fallen in bad with a boogie. So he wishes that he'd had the $200 that he needs to pay the guy. Yeah. Two, 200 pounds, which 200 pounds, um, I, I went and I did uh, do the math. Mm-hmm. Um, 200 pounds in 1948 uh, is the equivalent of 7,319 pounds today. Mm. Can you also do that one more step and turn that into dollars for us? A lot of money. <laughs> it's, I guess, about 10K, maybe, roughly. I, th- I, th- I would think like Sounds a bit more hard. than that, yeah. 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 If we're converting it to Canadian dollars, maybe a bit under 15,000. Yeah, so it's a sizable chunk of money. Like a, yeah, a lot for, of money. For a, a, a middle or lower class small business owner. Yeah. Um, But not, which is, it's not riches beyond compare. It's not like crazy money. It's just like a good chunk. Well, but that's the thing about being lower classes. That might as well be riches beyond compare, Maddox. How do you expect them to have any upward mobility? They they don't. They just run their shop forever. And that's why they had to turn to eldritch monkeys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I like that his son makes some offhand remark about like, oh, why don't you just use the monkey's paw to wish for the money? And Mr. Trelon goes like, oh, that's nonsense. And then the next day, the bookie's like, I need that money by Monday. Oh, and if you're thinking of making three wishes on something, <laughs> you'd better not. And he's like, wishes, eh? <laughs> the, the scene where he gets that scene planted is, is a little bit artless. But... <laughs> and the thing is, is it's, it sounds like you're exaggerating that, but that's pretty much exactly how it's acted as well. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're very ham-fisted. In Three most of the wishes. Hmm. <laughs> so anyway, as a result of this wish, the son goes into a motorcycle race and ends up dying horribly in a crash. And they realize the monkey paw did it. Uh, they get sad for a bit, and then they use a second wish to wish him back to life. There is a spooky scene where he's knocking at the door and... The mother just cannot get the door open for some reason. She doesn't know how to work her own lock. The uh, lock is stuck, Maddox. The lock is stuck. That, that was the ironic consequence of that. I risk. guess. So it broke their door. <laughs> because before, I guess the, the father, uh, the protagonist is so horrified by the idea that maybe his son is a zombie that he undoes the wish before yeah. they can even open the door. He uses the final wish to undo the second wish. Yeah. And then it pretty much wraps up there. <laughs> Right. Well, y- yeah. There's sort of a like he says. Let's just keep going on living our life like we did before. We don't have it so bad. Like his son has been dead for less his... than a fucking week. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have it so bad. It feels like you have it really bad. But yeah, he kind of un- he undoes that wish so that a he doesn't have to see his his zombie son, up, mangled also, son yeah also so that his wife won't believe that the paw ever worked anymore so she won't feel guilt over them causing their son's death right, right. Uh, and then he looks right into the camera at a voiceover goes like i guess i'm the only one who will ever think that or something yeah and then at the end we get a little bumper of the the guy from the beginning <laughs> in i guess this is another flashback from when Seamus, or is this at the end now? And I, I think is giving him the end. monkey's paw back Seamus again. Maybe stole it from him and gives it back to the sells it back to the guy. Maybe I, yes, I th- think Seamus wants to get rid of the paw. He hates the paw. Yeah. He thinks it's evil. So I think he's he gives right. it back to the curio dealer, who's definitely going to sell it to someone else. Like, yeah, yeah. he's and a I, dealer. That's what he does. He deals those. Now <laughs> I want to talk about this curio guy at the beginning because yeah, let's start with the curio guy. He's like. You know, the guy is coming in just trying to buy things and he eventually gets the monkey's paw. But I don't know if the 
the shop owner is giving him the hard sell, but he's really trying to get him to look at the ugliest statue <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, like he's got a horrifying really, head. Really ugly Genghis Khan statue that he thinks everyone's going to want to buy this. Rather than the, 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 the guy is very interested in the monkey's paw. Well, I want to see a movie based on this like nightmare statue. <laughs> <laughs> so I you want to see someone come scarier. in and buy that? And then the statue comes, like comes to life and grows a body and takes over half the world or something. Yeah, it could start a horde. It could hoard around. Absolutely, it could. Go around breaking down walls. Instead, we got this, you know, this no-nothing monkey's paw. Yeah, we never, like, there's no special effects in this film almost at all. Like, the monkey's paw never moves in our vision. That's just true. someone yeah, goes, you, They just tell us Ooh, that it did. It squirmed while I was holding it. And every, that's all. Every video. single one of them compares it to a snake. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, I, we get it. It moves like a snake. <laughs> Or there is one special effect in the entirety of the film, which is the rear projection used oh, on his motorbike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's very clearly uh, going between wide shots of people riding motorcycles and a close-up of him clearly in front of a projection screen, just kind of like shifting around on a bike, <laughs> I mean, pretending he's riding it. Let's be real. This movie was made in 1948, yeah. and... I'm given to understand that even for the time, this was a very low budget film. And it's made by a company called like Butcher's Industrial Film and Movie Concern. (laughs) (laughs) Just like their their job was just to get the movie done. Yeah. Do you you think they're butchers by day and then filmmakers by night? Like it's actual meat packers union or something? (laughs) All right, lads. (laughs) <laughs> get this movie done before the butcher shop opens up back up. Like just put him in front of a screen. Uh, <laughs> I like my, I, the, the curio dealer, the guy who buys the monkey paw in the first place is one of my favorite characters in the movie because he seems to be the only person interested in like moving it along. Yeah. <laughs> the guy yeah. in the store is like keeps trying to talk to him about Genghis Khan in his head. And he just keeps going, I don't care about that. What's this? I don't care about that. <laughs> Tell me more about the monkey's paw. I just want to buy the monkey's paw. <laughs> in like a you 10 like minute he's... scene, he's just like, shut up. Sell me this monkey's paw and explain what it does. You feel like that guy knows what the movie is and just wants to get through it. Yeah. It's a meta character. Like, and now I'm going to go to the first protagonist I see and hand them the monkey paw. In as useless a trade as I can possibly come up with, someone needs to have this. I'm going to come to their house after the sun has gone down. <laughs> yeah. Such, he does arrive such at dinner time. Such that it's frightening to people that I am knocking on their door. Mm-hmm. Everyone reacted with so much fear to just like someone's at the door. Like the music did a spooky thing. And it's like, it's, it's just some guy coming around dinner time. Well, except for... Our Irish friend, Seamus Kelly, who, after hearing a joke that, oh, it's the cops here to come after you, <laughs> immediately dives under the table. Like, <laughs> we, we've we referenced this guy a couple times, but I, you know, we haven't talked about him enough. And I want to talk about him forever. Okay. Because Let's he's talk about clearly Kelly, then. an insane person. Oh, for sure. And... Um, I think the only reason I don't want to talk about him more is that his accent is so strong. I oh, don't think I caught half his lines. Yeah, I couldn't understand. That actor was not Irish that. either. I looked it up. No, no, definitely <laughs> not. And he I don't would know laugh. He, he would laugh at weird times that were completely inappropriate. He was yeah, doing a very offensive accent. It was not. He was he he was a, his existence was very offensive to the Irish. I'm pretty sure. Because like, again, the only things we know about him is he talks like he's drunk regardless of what time it is. Mm-hmm. And he did also take multiple swigs of liquor throughout the the film just for no reason. Like, and I am, I'm talking to a cop. Let's share some liquor. Yeah, and whiskey like, here's, with here's some liquor. I'm telling you that I'm prowling around this rich person's house at night because I want to spy on the housekeeper. Yeah, he says he says he's breaking and entering for love, and but he's also just, just like, clearly <laughs> breaking and entering. But then the cop just asks him something like, "Well, I mean, you say that, but how do I know that you're not actually up to mischief?" And it's like he's just confessed to <laughs> wanting to commit this horrible crime. Yeah, even if he was on, and, and that's all he's in the house. story for some reason. 
he, he feels he needs to tell the Trelawne family this part of the story. It's a framing device, yeah. <laughs> it like, doesn't start key. with him looking in the window or finding out about the monkey's paw. He's like, no, listen, listen, I have to tell you, this paw is evil. It was three years ago. And then he talks about tricking this cop for four or five minutes. <laughs> and then probably someone had to be like, Seamus, you were telling us about this monkey's paw. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's several <laughs> kinds of criminal. Um, and the family. Right, he has a poacher as well, right? Yeah. They, they do mention yeah, he's a poacher. poacher. He's, he's a creeper. Yeah. He's like, definitely a gambler because he also gave the bad uh, gambling advice to the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I guess he just like before the shop opens every day, he sits on a barrel in front of the shop and like gets newspapers thrown at him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we I see that happening helpful. near the beginning of the movie. We see it happen again at the end of the movie. And he says the same thing about, ah, oh, you know, if the sun rises in the morning and goes down at night, then there's still hope to be had. Which he says to his best friend whose son just died. <laughs> just died. Still dead. Yeah. Which is a little better than like, the first time you see him after Todd dies, he's just like in Mr. Sherlock's house, leering over his shoulder, going, I warned you! I warned you! <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so be like, get out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging around over and going, I warned you! And then Don't you know, it's like, <laughs> What the yeah. fuck? Don't you have a home to go to? <laughs> I don't know if he does. He seems to live on the stoop. It spends so much time on a character that is not integral to the story at all. Oh, movie, not at all. The movie entirely could have happened without Seamus. But, yeah, there's no but plot that he moves over. Because he went into the rich person's house and stole the monkey's paw, which he gave to the shop owner who sold it to the curio guy who gave it to Mr. Trelon's. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. It's, it's all a rich tapestry. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It was all woven together perfectly. It's all, I mean, really, if Seamus hadn't stolen that monkey's paw in the first place, that guy's son would still be alive. Yeah. I told you this would happen. (laughs) I did it. I set the things in motion and then I told you. the thing where it was. (laughs) In the the original short story, and I could be wrong about this because I'm just going off a, a synopsis, but isn't it just that like, the, an old friend of the guy comes into his house with a monkey's paw. Like you've got to get rid of this thing. Um, oh, I mean, I, I no hadn't idea. read the short story now, so I don't know. I mean, I think, I think that's as far as it gets is just like, I bought this thing and it was evil and you got to get rid of it. And he's like, I will, but then he keeps it and does wishes on it or something. Anyway, oh, I mean, no. that, might, that might not have been, there would be less transactions to witness, but it seems like it would be easier to get rid of a thing than to give it to a friend and tell them to get rid of it. Right? That's like, true. You could just do it yourself. <laughs> just do it yourself. Throw it in a lake. Uh, burn it in a fire. Well, it doesn't I mean, seem to be instruct- indestructible. No one tried to destroy it at any point. You mm-hmm. gotta hit that sweet, sweet sixty-minute mark. Yeah, yeah, they're just padding it out, and so they decided uh, Irish racism and. Uh, <laughs> Long monologues about Genghis Khan and a creepy statue were how they were going to pad out this <laughs> runtime. All right, let's let's actually go down through the wishes that we know happened okay. uh, in the film. So the first wish that we see actually take place, or or to be referenced at all timeline chronologically, is the Bachelor inside Kelly's Divergence mm-hmm. uh, mentions that he made a wish on it once, but it's a secret wish. He never tells anyone what it is. Yeah. And I am very curious about that wish. Does anyone have any ideas what that bachelor may have wished for? Is there any evidence, any hints? A big what? house and a sweet mustache. <laughs> Maybe. It's true. He, he, seems, he seems pretty wealthy with it and has a fine collection of things. And he does have a great mustache. It's true. It's probably reasonable to assume that it was many, many riches. Okay. So That's then we. not a thing that people say. Many riches. <laughs> People have said it. It's been said. It's not the best way to word your wish if you're going to do it, but... Yeah, see, I would I would get screwed by the monkey's paw because I would say things like that. Yeah, the monkey's paw would be like, how many is many? Three? Three is a many? Three Here riches. you go. Three gold coins. Brutal. So what do we think is his ironic cost then? If he, got, if he paid for his riches and his wealth with the monkey's paw, is it the fact that he's a bachelor? In 1948, is that... Uh, enough of a terrible consequence that you'd continue to be a bachelor even though he seems cool about it um 
his wife fell under a steamroller. But he, they don't mention him as a widower. They mention him as a bachelor. Oh, maybe his brother fell under a steamroller. <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe he's got a really nice house, but eventually a murder takes place in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, I guess I that hasn't happened that... yet because he says that something bad already happened. He yeah. he has like a, a far off look for a moment, like something happened, but yeah. they never do go into it at all. I and you think like that's going to be like a foreshadow, but it never comes back. Yeah. yeah well. he, also, he also references that someone else used the paw that he knows. And I think he gives the best line in the whole film, which is, uh, I can't remember his first two wishes were for, but his third was for death. Yeah, that's a good line. It's a yeah, good line. It was pretty metal. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it almost even could have been like delivered with the gusto that it deserves. Cause it's a great line. And it was just like, in the middle of their dinner conversation, he kind of like lets that drop and goes, so anyway, who wants some <laughs> yeah, very, gin? Very blase. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but I mean, you, you don't want to lean too hard into it and over-deliver that line like pretty much all of the other lines. Mm-hmm. He, gotta, he is the subtlest actor among them. Yeah, you got you got to let the coolest line in the movie have the most properly stated delivery. And then Fair back enough. to... Have a seat, drunk husband. <laughs> Let's look around at some of my other books. I wishing, don't know. wishing for a stiff drink. Yeah, like an idiot. Then the next wish is we have Dorothy, the woman who's at his 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 dinner guest, who apparently wishes to be free of her husband, and as a result, gets shot. I guess you said five minutes later. About five minutes, you think? I you mean, think it feels like they're they're on their way out of the party. Okay, and then. I mean, is it really a party? There's just the three of them. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like it's a, yeah, it's not a party so much. It's just like it's it's having that sort of dinner party conversation type style. Yeah. They maybe had a party earlier and those are the last three people. It's it's unclear. Yeah, yeah they, they keep pushing her a little bit because she wants to keep the wish a secret. And so the bachelor asks, you know, what did you wish for? And she says, oh, you know, that's that's my business. And then. Her husband asks her, and she says, well, "That's my affair." And he's, "Ah, you used the word affair, which means <laughs> <laughs> clearly you're cheating on me." And I mean, he happens to be right, but also yeah. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like how that went down. Yeah, I feel like he already knew that. It was implied earlier in the conversation that he had a strong suspicion that she was cheating on him. That ends up being true. They have a fight about it, and then it ends in a murder-suicide. I think, I honestly kind of feel like that very well could have been about to happen anyway. <laughs> I, I, I don't think the judge has much of a case against the monkey's paw on this one, and I don't see Seamus being as convinced as he was that it was the monkey's paw's doing. I feel like that yeah. was on its way to happening with or without the monkey's paw. Yeah, all, all the setup happened first. Why did they go to a judge anyway if it was a murder-suicide? I don't think it was a murder-suicide. I thought it was just a murder. I don't remember him shooting himself after. No, the, the news he definitely says that he commits suicide. The news boy oh, okay. says it, yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, is, is the monkey's paw on trial? I guess <laughs> you only see the judge because it's that kind of production level. But um, yeah. But the judge is like, there's no proof that the monkey's paw did this. Is the bachelor suing someone for a murder happening at his house then? Like, yeah, what? how's the law involved? <laughs> Who's I, on trial? I, I think the monkey's paw gave trial. me this monkey's paw. Now the value of my property has gone down because of the murder. The monkey's paw is just like up on the stand. He has a defense attorney trying to defend him. <laughs> He's wearing a little tie. Yeah. <laughs> my client could clearly not have committed this murder. These fingers are too small to hold the gun. <laughs> you must acquit. If the paw doesn't fit, you must acquit. <laughs> It's, it's clearly lying. Look, it's writhing around like a snake. <laughs> like a snake. You can see it writhe like a snake. The most <laughs> untrustworthy animal. Yeah, that's how you know. Yeah, I don't. I think that was going to happen. I feel like that's a real stretch to blame that on the paw at all. Yeah. Or the paw is the weakest, like the weakest of nudges or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Definitely didn't seem like a whole lot of magic there. Yeah. Okay, next wish. We do go back to uh, Mr. Trelawney there where he does wish for the 200 pounds. Um, after much much prodding so that he can pay off his gambling debts. And, and I kind of have a problem with that too, because, you know, you wish for 200 pounds, sure, but why doesn't he just wish for, like, a lot more money than that? He's yeah. already wishing. To be rich, or a million dollars, or a million pounds. Um, it doesn't seem like there's any evidence that the cost is 
correlated with how much you ask for. It seems like there's just some random ass cost. So, which always ends up being somebody dies. Yeah. Well, I mean, the second two wishes don't like I'm skipping ahead here, but do they actually have a cost that we see in any way, shape or form? Well, I suppose the second one, because the second wish he wishes for his son to be alive again. And you would think that he was hoping for his son not to be like a mangled, burned zombie man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's, you know, when you're wishing for somebody to be alive again, you're wishing for them to be healthy, Mm -hmm. I would imagine. But before they make that wish, you know, it's his, it's his wife who's really pushing for it. Mrs. Trelawn is really, really pushing for it saying, we got to use the monkey's paw. You have to go find it. We have to make this wish. And he seems to already know what the monkey's paw is going to do. Cause he's, he reminds her, he says, Hey, he was burned horribly <laughs> in this motorcycle crash on the dirt track. And you know, we really don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. So two things I'll, I'll, I'll say to that is uh, one, because they never open the door. He doesn't actually know that, that he just assumes that that's the case. Yeah. Um, the film did not spend the special effects budget to give this guy like a burn victim face when he opens the door or even to show us that through a window or something or to show him climbing out of his grave. Anything to suggest that he is in, in perfect health and just fine. Right. But it's but it's subtle. It's the mystery. It's the horror of not knowing what's back there. Yeah, I guess. Um, and two, um, how about you just word it? I wish my son was in perfect health. That'll bring him back to life and also undo all his burns and maybe even fix that, you know, knee injury he got when he was 12. Like, I don't know. It's just a better wish. There's no zombies out of there. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and they keep showing what I think, and it's hard to tell, um, is, is the grave. And the I think thing. it's supposed to be. It looks like a pile of leaves, but I, I think it's supposed to be the flowers. Flowers, implying that he kind of crawled out of it. So, yeah, but but then, like, yeah, it, it's it's tough because... They don't. I mean, obviously, they're not really thinking about it. Uh, the, the 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 wife is a little hysterical, and he's like, "I don't want to do it." And she's like, "Wish on the paw, the paw, the monkey's paw." And, and she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> "Oh, that one, right?" Um, they're both a little. They're both going a little hysterical over it. But uh, yeah, he's he. I think from the from the jump is like, if our son comes back to our home alive, he's going to be some kind of monster. So yeah, he's thought of that. But has him put in the thought of like, but please don't make him a burnt up zombie. <laughs> like, yeah, he's just like, like no, that's going that. to happen. There's no way around it. This thing can trick me, and it's going to use use a comma in your statement. Yeah, with that extra caveat in there. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really use try. punctuation as your friend. It's like this thing is gonna, it's going to screw me over. Uh, I just, it's weird too because like, because the the thing that the reason Tom dies is that the payout that he gets or that his parents get from the racing company is 200 pounds which is exactly what he wished for well they they refer to it as the prize money yeah which <laughs> did he win and then crash or oh he was he was in last place for sure <laughs> <laughs> so you think you think there's cheating at this year uh motorcycle racetrack i don't know if there's cheating but maybe the prize money for actually winning the race was really really exorbitantly high mm-hmm. and the and guy there's like hey you know here's 200 pounds man it would have been a lot more if your son was a, such a shitty driver <laughs> <laughs> well anyway bye see um, what i would like to believe is that he crashes at the end and it uh catapults him off the motorcycle with such force line. Over the finish line, so that he dies, but well, you know his corpse makes it there first. That's some real razzle dazzle on the monkey <laughs> part. <laughs> and had they shown that, I would have been very impressed. It yeah. would have been great. Well, I uh, believe. I think in the original story, his son dies at work or something in a factory, and 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 the factory doesn't accept responsibility, but they give the family like a stipend. Um, but yeah, having it be the prize money in this case doesn't really make a ton of sense. And that's <laughs> no. right. Catapulted across the finish line and like, a, like, Oh, you want an ironic twist? Let's, let's, <laughs> let's really go big. <laughs> but you know, if, at least he died a winner. Yeah. yeah. But like, if you're going back to what, what you said, if he'd wished for like 
a million pounds or something. Obviously, that's not an amount of money that they would have gotten for Tom dying at the racetrack. So Tom might not have died. <laughs> yeah, like, they would have to. The monkey's paw would have to find something different to do. Yeah, their mistake yeah. was making it a small and reasonable enough amount that the racetrack could afford to pay it out for Tom dying. <laughs> I mean, maybe the monkey's paw still would have gotten them. Like he would have actually won the race for like a million pounds and then died of a stroke or something. Like that's, just randomly. Yeah. That that's I guess the monkey's paw can do whatever it wants. Yeah, it can get lazy. Yeah, it's not gonna be like, oh, you lawyered me out of this. It can it can just <laughs> it, it can just give someone a stroke whenever. Yeah, the the monkey paw has a lawyer. We already discussed this. He can go to court. He has a He's a very high power lawyer. Got out of that, that case. The monkey's paw can get away with murder. And so yeah, and then the third one though is just to wish that the second wish didn't happen. There's no cost to that, right? Like. You'd think there would still be a cost to undoing a wish. I mean, other than you're out of wishes. Mm-hmm. Right, but if it's supposed to turn each thing, then you'd have to think that it should turn the idea of like, okay, so you undid your second wish, and now there's some extra terrible thing that happens as a result of that. Like, Well, maybe he wished his son back in the grave. Maybe he did, he's he still alive. He's, he's still alive in there, there. yeah. yeah. I mean, that would have been a great horror thing. That would have been a great thing to show us. That would have been a great maybe, way to finish this a film. a bit much for 1940s England. Yeah, but I mean, if it's... Now we've got a plot hole, and I'm just going to... Uh, they should have known that... I mean, yeah, there's a big hole in it. You know, 80 years later, I was going to be worried about the, the plot hole of nothing... No, there's no consequences. this last one. Mm-hmm. Maybe at least like he's back in the grave, but like he at least knocked over the gravestone, and it's really expensive to replace... Like it takes 200 pounds, 200 to, pounds replace. to replace it. He's back <laughs> in the same. Stone. Yeah, he's got to borrow it from that guy again. <laughs> back in the position he was before, minus a son to help him out around the store. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> now that's See, we could have written it better, yeah. That's... Ouch. I, I feel I, like this film needs a second pass. Maybe, yeah. But I, I will say, I really, really love horror movies. I watch them almost all the time. Any downtime I have, I'm just trawling around through a lot of garbage for sure. Um, it's a really difficult genre to do well. And I think that that whole ending sequence of them making the two wishes and wishing the son back and then wishing him back into the grave. I gotta be honest. I know you might disagree with me, but I think it was really well put together. How like dark it is and sort of uncertain of what's going on. And- yeah. And the, the mystery of what he's going to look like They're They're planting that seed in your head of like, Hey, you know, he's going to be, a horrible fucked up zombie and then you know she's desperately trying to open the door and you want more than anything for her not to see her son that way and then she doesn't have to and i'll i'll say as well a lot of the performances in this film are not very good but uh True, mrs yeah. was was pretty well acted in she that did hysteria well yeah in the moment when she was over the top right there when mm-hmm. the, the thunder and lightning is crashing again i can't figure out how she couldn't figure out her own door but um mm-hmm. I mean, she was, you know, she was showing the emotion of it. Well, you, you gotta build suspense somehow. <laughs> yeah, they built good suspense in that scene. I just felt like it didn't, it didn't pay off in any way. Like I felt like I was left not with a relief or a oh great, this tension built to something that like wowed me. It was more of just like okay, you did a good job building the tension, and then the result is literally nothing happened. Your solution was to have no consequence, no outcome. Everything's back to normal. I mean, it's it's not back to normal. Their son is still dead. Well, I like, mean, but wish two and three, like after wish two and three, there is no effect. It's, wish it's one a, happens. Wish one is horrible. It's a very old fashioned horror thing to do of, you know, the most frightening thing is what you can imagine in your own head. Mm. Um, I mean, Lovecraft did that a lot by saying, like, I'm going to, I can't even describe this horrible thing. Because it drove me <laughs> that, so insane. that was his whole cheating thing. Um, <laughs> And it's, you know, like on one hand, you can see it as a cop out. But on the other hand, it's it's a very true maxim that nothing is scarier than what you can imagine in your own head. Everyone will fill in that blank with what's scariest to them. And there's no one thing that would be scary to everyone. Exactly. And if they and if they actually got there and opened the door, I mean, in the 1940s, I don't think any kind of makeup is going to make them look as horrifying as, you know, people would be able to imagine themselves. I mean, in the 1940s though, you probably could have just like burned some random poor person for $5. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I've That's not up. a nice thing to say. I know the 1940s were not a nice time. Or you could have again the the I 1940s. The you war- made one thing about the 1940s that wasn't good. <laughs> wasn't good. I just realized like there's probably someone who is horribly burned that would look close enough to their son they could just find. Jesus. Right? It's the 1940s. There was recently some events that left a lot of people injured and then also just not very much workplace safety. They could have found somebody. I, I I'm not guess, saying that's moral but... or good or they should do that, but I'm just saying in the 1940s they could have. Yeah. And, and probably not above Butcher's industrial film and movie. <laughs> the Butcher Theater, yeah. The Butcher's Union Filmmakers. No? No one's on board with me on this? I don't know. <laughs> All I'm saying is I think that the film does a really good job, especially in the climax. I wish it didn't take 55 minutes to get there, <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's a really, uh, a really effective horror climax, especially for, uh, you know, some really old fashioned old school horror. Old like that. And yeah. I, it definitely spent a lot of its time padding out that runtime and still only came up to about an hour. Yeah. And I, I guess what it does too, what that ending does is like, it never really confirms or denies that the monkey's pod did these things. Mr. Right. Trelawney has a very good idea that it did, but he's tr- he's trying to kind of protect his wife from the idea that it did so that she doesn't feel guilt. But then even at the end when you get that great sequel hook where where Kelly sells the thing back to the the shop owner and the shop owner goes to that hideous statue head again and goes, it's "Well, it's the monkey's paw has done its magic again. <laughs> or maybe it didn't. I don't know. Goodbye. <laughs> and it's like, the movie never really comes down one way or another on, like, this is real. It's like, maybe it was just a coincidence. I don't know. Who cares? Good night, statue. Like, and that's the <laughs> end of the film. That is so, very true. I think if they actually did show tom returning home and being burnt up that would be like oh this thing is real and for whatever reason i think that they didn't want to come down on on deciding that one way or the other right i think you're i think you're right they just they wanted to leave it as a mystery which is how they got around not putting anything for sure in there i mean yeah because they they put in that doubt and so then like if the monkey's paw wasn't actually doing anything then it was just some fucking schmo on the other side of that door trying to get in because it was raining really hard. Yeah. Maybe it, maybe it was just shameless. something beating against the door. Yeah. The wind beating against the door, making it sound like a knock. Yeah, maybe. But I, I like to think that it's it, shameless. Was, it was shameless. Yeah. They you do know, know a he lives, he lives on the street. He lives on that barrel outside the front door. <laughs> Not in the barrel, just on top of it. Where he, he, yeah, he wasn't knocking on the door. He was knocking against the door, just being like blown around by the wind. <laughs> yeah. As they open the door, he just flies away. Yeah, the wind has <laughs> sort of knocked him over. <laughs> he'll, swept he'll, away. Back. he'll be fine. Down the river. All right, so I'll put this to you you folks. Yeah. Um, you're on the jury. The monkey paw is on trial. <laughs> do you say the monkey paw, is it actually magic or is it just coincidence? How do you, how do you uh, render the sentence? I think in the context of what we've seen in the movie. Yeah, based on I- the evidence you saw. Based on the evidence presented, I don't think there is really any evidence at all that the monkey's paw did anything. I mean, the the ironic consequence from that first wish is that the man just shot his wife. <laughs> yeah, that one was um, going to happen, I'm pretty sure. Then, you know, motorcycle accident, which can happen during a race. It's a dangerous thing. It's a danger. It's a dangerous thing to be doing. Yeah, nothing to show for those other two. Other maybe somebody vandalized a grave. So maybe it's still unclear. So you're going with not guilty. Well, Monkey I think I, guilty. I think that if I was on a jury, I would have to call it not guilty. In my heart, I believe there was some supernatural stuff afoot. What about you, John? I gotta be. I gotta be with uh, with Paul here. I can't convict. I can't convict based on what I have. Um, it's so much of it is circumstantial. Um, again, legally, there's no case against the monkey's paw. Um, but I mean, I'm not won over by the, by the, the murder suicide. I think that was based on a clear domestic dispute that was happening in and around those people learning about the monkey's paw. Oh yeah. Um, there's clear, clear evidence to suggest that for sure. But the irony of the money they got for Tom's death being exactly what he wished for 
The precision is suspicious. Precision is very suspicious. Exactly. I mean, I'd let it walk, but I wouldn't feel good about it. All right. I'll I'll, I'll go with your judgment then. The jury has ruled. The monkey paw walks. And if it kills again, the blood is on your hands. Fair enough. It's on your paws. All right. Well, let's put this then. If you did think a monkey paw was real, what would be the monkey paw wish wish that you think you could get away with? Do you guys think? Oh, okay. Infinite monkeys. I think I feel like I've heard this one before where someone just says, like, what do you wish on a monkey paw? You wish for the rest of the monkey. So you have a monkey friend. Oh, that's good. And the paw would probably be pretty happy about it and just be happy to be part of a monkey yeah, again. The ironic cost is that monkey is the monkey that played Marcel on Friends. And it's a it's such a diva. Oh, no. <laughs> High demands. Uh, what about you, John? Do you have a, a, a idea for what you could get away with oh, with the monkey paw? I don't know. Like, I feel like... Well, here's the question. Do I know kind of how the monkey's paw operates in this? You know that. So in this scenario, you know that it works. You don't know what the rules are. You don't know if it's like um, if if the cost is measured based on what you wish for. Okay. You don't know how quickly it'll work or how quickly you'll have to pay the price. But everybody who makes a wish sort of during the course of the movie has been told that there's ironic costs. Yeah. No one does it unawares. See, I, so fuck them, right? They should have known better. I feel like my first sort of instinct is like I would wish to like you know n- not need to work or you know for my family to like never go hungry or something like that. But I feel like the monkey's paw, like its shortcut to anything like that, is like oh, okay, well you don't need to work because you're dead, or like oh your family doesn't need to uh, we're put food on the table because they're dead. Uh, <laughs> I feel like the, the monkey's paw, like. If there's anything that info has like a negative state, the monkey's paw will be like, oh, you mean you wish to be dead? Cool. Um, so I don't know. I feel like <laughs> Just, I, you assume it's always going to go for death. I think so. I, I think I think it's kind of it's like cheap out. Well, I mean, we kind of see it, do it. We see it do it twice in the thing. I, I try to go for something really simple. You think if it's a small wish, it'll be a small cost. I think so, too. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think I think there's a ratio at play. Mind you. There's that line where like they get the two the two hundred pounds, and he goes two hundred pounds, and Mrs. Trollin goes, the cost of my son's life. Yeah. So it's like yeah, it's disproportionate, <laughs> disproportionate for sure. I think I would like wish to like wish to like see like a good remake of a movie or something, <laughs> like, something really small, like but like oh no, like the half the crew died or something, <laughs> or you'll. You'll see it, but then the theater will burn down. You get to see a really good uh, remake of Ghostbusters, but Bill Murray dies himself, and Dan Aykroyd dies. No, oh, that's oh, no, why that's would good. you even say that? No, that's what he's. I'm just saying how the paw would get him yeah. for the thing he I, wanted. I, I think this paw has murderous intent. Um, it I would don't be think a really faithful remake of a really shitty movie. It's exactly the same. It's like you. Yeah. We, like shot my for metric God. for good is faithfulness. I made the shot for shot. That's <laughs> Van Sant Psycho. Exactly. Uh-huh. I was right about that. But like something worse than Psycho. Yeah. Like the monkey's paw. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You get an updated version of the monkey's paw. It's just the exact same script and plot. It's just like better camera work. It, it's like a digital remaster or something. Well, there is a version. There is a, a 2013 movie. Uh, of the monkey's paw and while i haven't seen it i know when you and i were talking before this i suggested that it probably wasn't any good i I think that's a fair assumption i didn't hear about it when it came out so i assume it didn't like leave a lasting impact from a very cursory zeitgeist very cursory look around suggests that it might not be awful Hmm. so i don't know oh well, maybe maybe we'll do two monkey paws in a row then. Maybe that's what I'll do for the next movie, or at least soon. I think here's what I would tro- probably do if I had a monkey paw that I knew was going to give me a wish, but would give me a terrible cost. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would wish for a different wish-granting apparatus that doesn't have costs. So at least in the end, I'd have more wishes than I have costs. So like, a- wish for like a, a, a lamp with a magic genie in it. Okay. And, and and knowing that the genie isn't isn't going to do this this kind of bullshit that the monkey paws do, like Robin Williams yeah. genie instead of a wishmaster yeah. genie. Yeah, like he might give me a, some something to dance. Exactly. Like I'd be very specific about which type of genie I want, 
And then I know I've got four wishes and only one cost. And that's a good deal. Like, that's just, that's buying in bulk. That is a good deal. Uh, that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Costco of magic wishes. So I figure I, then I can make that work. And then you can do, like, you can, you can maybe even undo the cost once you're, once you're working with, like, a, a non-evil wish engine. Exactly. Once I'm a couple wishes deep, I'll just undo whatever the first wish did. But the first wish gave you the, the apparatus. Well, maybe I'll do that within the fourth wish then. Oh, no. One, and then I'll undo the, the, the cost, but not undoing the wishes that happened. Because mm. then that's just going back to nothing. And that's, that's a waste of my time. <laughs> just like, a what a wild weekend that was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. What am I going to do? Please have the memories. <laughs> I had four cosmic shaping wishes. And it was a good weekend. Yeah. Well, Got a bit of a hangover. Back to work. Boss calls you. Yeah, you're late. <laughs> Oh, oh! I should have saved a, a wish for getting there on time. But a bump, but bump, bump. That's an ending. This that's, movie could have used. That's how this movie should have ended. Ah, uh, think about that, Mister Trelawney. Um, leave, leave him alone. His son is dead. <laughs> it's his own damn fault, and he knows it's it. It's not clear whether or not it's his own. It's damn fault. Okay, it's unclear whether it's his. He fault. He seems to believe it it's is, his fault. It is heavily implied that it's his. He fault. He has to live with that guilt. He doesn't need you piling on him just because the screenwriters didn't write a proper ending. (laughs) (laughs) They could have used a wrap-up. All right. Do you guys have any final thoughts on this film? I mean, it's only only an hour-long film, so there's not a lot extra to go into. Not really. I mean, it occurred to me really early in the film that this felt like a community theater piece that somebody was filming. And then a lot of the overacting just, like, didn't bother me after that point. I was like, oh, you know, these are just theater actors doing their thing. I think it felt like something that should have been a short story. Like, I think it would have worked better as a short story or even better, like, as a campfire story. I think that's what the structure was built for. Right? Like, you can't build a business off of fucking campfire stories. You can build a business off making movies. You just see me try. As soon as we have gatherings around campfires, I'll have campfire stories out the wazoo. And I'll make millions. Okay. Um, I think one of my final thoughts about this film is that it's easy to look at something that was made a really long time ago and go look at this crummy old movie. Um, They don't know what they're doing. Um, People back then were so dumb. Um, But one thing that I think it's important to keep in mind is, is from, from the limited research I've been able to conduct People did not think this movie was good at the time. either. <laughs> so please give people from the past a little bit of credit. They didn't like it either. Um, if you go on the Wikipedia, there's like a couple of like tiny little snippets of like bad reviews from 1948. So <laughs> I, I want to let people from the late 40s off the hook for this movie as a general population. They didn't like it either. And then it's, it's strange then, because again, as I said, this is a cultural touchstone for what is something that grants wishes and gives it an evil turn. So even though it wasn't it wasn't that great and it um, wasn't reviewed great at the time either, doesn't doesn't hold up, wasn't that great at the time, it still somehow had lasting potential to last yeah. this many years later, you know, 80 some years later. So they did something, right? I guess. Otherwise, we'd be talking about... One of the other versions. Move, one of the other versions instead. So, so sorry to make fun of you for an hour, but good job filmmakers. <laughs> ah, they made an enduring film, but we've made fun of them for it. <laughs> they never thought we'd roast them so hard. <laughs> we've been recording for almost as long as the actual movie. <laughs> so they basically that is true. They were like, we want to make a really enduring story that people will still be talking about 80 years later. But will we be saying good things about it? Dun dun dun! Monkey's paw. Monkey pod. <laughs> we got Monkey you. pod Monkey strikes pod. again, and the blood is on your hands. <laughs> All right, I want to thank uh, Paul JP and John Blair for joining me. This has been so much fun. Uh, I also want to thank all the audience for listening along and we'll have another movie review. You know what? Maybe it'll be the next monkey paw. I don't know. I'm running out of ideas. Let's see what the other one's like. Let's see if they made any improvements in 80 years. And we'll catch you with that uh, in a couple weeks time. Bye.
Well, that's what we came up with. But we want to hear from you. Tell us your thoughts. You can find us on Twitter at BreakAWishPod, email BreakAWishPod at gmail.com, join the BreakAWish discussion group on Facebook, and you can support the show by writing a review, telling a friend, or buying a t-shirt on TeePublic. All this information at BreakAWish.ca. For more John Blair, you can check out his very funny new solo sketch show, Now More Than Ever, available on YouTube. For more Paul JP, you can keep a lookout for his upcoming erotic fan fiction podcast, The Pen is Mightier, full of immature comedians reading very mature content. Find it wherever you get your podcasts, starting in October. This is a Kicks and Giggles Entertainment production, hosted by Maddox Campbell, themed by Matthew Reed, cover art by Justin Langford, and a proud member of the Sonar Podcast Network. More podcasts at thesonarnetwork.com. So, what would you wish for? has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! Hello there. This is Maddox Campbell from the Break-A-Wish podcast. I just want to take a minute out of our regularly scheduled listening to tell you about a new Starburns endeavor that is 100% guaranteed to become your favorite new podcast. And even though this is just promotional copy that I've been forced to read, the fact remains the Grawlicks Save the World is really something you should be listening to. What's The Grawlix Saves the World, you ask? Great question. It's a podcast from Adam Caton Holland, Andrew Orvidal, and Ben Roy, a.k.a. the Denver-based comedy troupe The Grawlix, a.k.a. the minds behind the TV show Those Who Can't. Each episode, The Grawlix Boys try to better the world around them by bettering themselves, all the while taking passive-aggressive shots at one another and getting way more competitive than seems necessary. One week, the Grolix is quitting social media to see how it affects them. The next week, they're slapping each other with a spatula for saying the word like too much while talking. It's a lot of fun, and it's growing fast, so why not get on board with the hottest new podcast in the Starburns network? It's 100% guaranteed to both delight you, while simultaneously making you more attractive to whoever you wish to be more attractive to. 100% Guaranteed. You can take that all the way to the bank.